Hello and welcome to Habe Mus Papam, episode 173, Celestine III. So if you remember from last week, the papacy had two major pressures on it when Pope Clement III died. The first was the most immediate. The people of Rome really wanted to destroy the town of Tusculum, which was just a small town outside of Rome, which had a long-standing beef with Rome. If you remember the Tusculani family from back in the day, you'll understand why. The second was pressure from Henry VI, the son of the now-deceased Emperor Friedrich Barbarossa, who was coming to Rome angry at the Pope for siding against his claims to rule in southern Italy and wanting to be crowned Holy Roman Emperor. So with those things looming on the horizon, the Romans chose to elect the 85-year-old Cardinal Deacon of Santa Maria in Cosmedian, Giancinto Babone. Giancinto, or Hyacinth in the English, was a member of one of the most prominent families in Rome, the Babone slash Orsini family. We're going to see the Orsini family a lot. His father was a prominent noble, and he seems to have had a brother who was also a cardinal. As I just mentioned, we're going to hear a lot more about them in episodes to come, but for now, just keep the Orsini family in your head. We're getting to the period when these ancient Roman families and the politics and the feuds between them are going to play a bigger and bigger role in the history of the papacy. Hyacinth was born in 1105. He was ordained a subdeacon in 1126 and a deacon in 1144 which means he served in some capacity as a deacon or subdeacon for over six decades before becoming pope. Now, during that time, he was occasionally sent by popes on diplomatic missions. We find him mentioned in a letter by St. Bernard, lamenting the fact that Cardinal Giancinto opposed him in the theological disputes surrounding Peter Abelard. Apparently, he was a friend of Abelard and took his side against St. Bernard in the disputes that we talked about a couple episodes ago. In the letter, St. Bernard writes, but in all these matters, he boasts that he has opened the fountains of knowledge to the cardinals and the ecclesiastics of the Curia, that his books are in the hands and the opinions in the minds of the Romans. And he relies on these persons by whom he ought to be judged and condemned, being a protection to him. Hyacinth has shown me much ill will, but has done me no harm, simply because he was unable. This I endure with equanimity, since he spares not Rome, nor the Curia, nor even the person of the Pope. Now, he seems to have also been a friend of St. Thomas Becket, giving him encouragement and helping him in his struggles with Henry II of England. Because he was so old and with the coming political pressures, Giancinto did not want to be the Pope, and he tried to beg off. But as the chronicler Ralph of Ducetto tells us, the cardinals told Giancinto that he had to accept before Henry got there and tried to mess with the election and probably cause a schism, which emperors were wont to do back then. So he relented and was ordained a priest on Holy Saturday, 1191, and then was consecrated Bishop of Rome by Octavianus, the Cardinal Bishop of Ostia, the next day, Easter Sunday, taking the name Celestine III. But by this point, Henry had arrived with an army and was outside Rome. And if you remember from last week, he was angry that Pope Clement III had sided against his wife Constance's claims to rule Sicily and had instead backed a noble named Tancred as King of Sicily. Now, this makes sense. The papacy has always been opposed to being hemmed in on both sides by one power. And when the Holy Roman Emperor was opposed to the Pope, they would turn to the Normans in Sicily. And when the Normans were opposed to them, they would return to the Holy Roman Emperor. We've seen this playbook several times already. Having one power controlling essentially all of Italy was just not in the papacy's best interest. So with that in the background, we have Henry VI just outside Rome and the newly uh, ordained Pope wondering what to do. Now, add to this fact is that currently Europe is in the middle of the Third Crusade, which Henry's father, Friedrich Barbarossa, had been leading when he died. So there was a pressure to keep the Germans happy and their troops united with the rest of Europe. Then added to that was the pressure of the Roman people themselves who wanted to assert their independence and really wanted to destroy the neighboring city of Tusculum. So with all this swirling around, the Roman people cut a deal with Henry. 
They agreed to back his desire to be Holy Roman Emperor if he in turn agreed them to, to let them destroy Tusculum, and this he willingly agreed to. They then went to the Pope and made a similar bargain, getting him to agree to crown Henry Holy Roman Emperor and recognize his claims in Sicily in return for his respecting of papal claims in central Italy. The Pope also agreed to allow the destruction of Tusculum as part of the deal, though at least Horace Mann suggests that he might not have known about that part of the deal. So the day after his ordination to be Bishop of Rome, on Easter Monday, 1191, Celestine III crowned Henry VI, Holy Roman Emperor, in St. Peter's Basilica. And as soon as the coronation was over, Henry turned the town of Tusculum over to the Roman people, who utterly destroyed it and killed many of the inhabitants. Tusculum would never recover, and it's a ruin to this day. Henry, meanwhile, headed south to Sicily to fight with Tancred, who Celestine still supported. And the expedition didn't go well. Henry's forces were defeated and weakened by disease, and his wife, the Empress Constance, was captured and turned over to Tancred. Henry asked for the help of the Pope in securing her release, which he granted, and eventually, after much cajoling, Constance was returned to her husband. But now we turn to a really crucial point in the history of Celestine's papacy. Over a couple of years, the conflict began to brew with the Pope and the Emperor. Now, it started with Celestine's candidate for Bishop of Liege in Belgium, who Henry was opposed to personally. He was murdered by some of Henry's men and his candidate for the diocese. Celestine excommunicated the murderers, which prompted some of Henry's own nobles to begin to revolt against him. But just as things were coming to a head, the Third Crusade began to fall apart. Now, if you remember, the Third Crusade was led by three kings, Philip of France, Richard the Lionhearted of England, and the Emperor Friedrich Barbarossa of Germany. Philip, out of spite and hatred for Richard, abandoned the crusade early, and Frederick's son, Henry, was no fan of Richard either because Richard was allies with Tancred in Sicily. So Richard, lacking the troops and the ability to retake Jerusalem and facing a rebellion stirred up by Philip in some of his own territory back home, realized he had to break off the crusade. But in surveying his route back home, he realized that everyone on the way was against him. So he and his knights, disguised as simple pilgrims, headed back to England on foot. But they were discovered in Austria. They were arrested by the Duke Leopold, and they were handed over to Henry VI as a prisoner. With such a powerful king now as his prisoner, Henry attempted to get as much out of the situation as he could. The Pope protested, excommunicating the Duke, who had arrested Richard, and using every avenue he could to get the king out of jail. But he didn't go so far as to excommunicate Henry himself. In the meantime, Henry extorted a huge sum of cash, 150,000 marks, as payment for his release, and only released him after over a year from his initial capture. The cash and the fortuitous death of Tancred gave Henry what he needed to finally take Sicily and add it to his territory. In 1194, he invaded Sicily, he locked up Tancred's wife and young child, and he officially took control. And now that he had the entire Italian peninsula, with the exception of the Papal States, under his thumb. At this time, Celestine faced another conflict, this one with Philip, the king of France. Philip had married Ingeborg, the princess of Denmark, but the day after the wedding, he wanted to divorce her and have the marriage annulled. Ingeborg fought the annulment and appealed to the Pope, writing several letters to him, and I'll quote one briefly. My spouse, Philip, king of the French, abandoned me, though he did not find what he could condemn in me except that what he fabricated in malice on the anvil of lies. That would have been conveyed to your ears in person if I did not know that it was already spread by rumor through the whole people. I flee, therefore, miserable to the seat of mercy. Having obtained mercy, if happier and more clement fortune comes to me, I might thenceforth declare me your handmaiden, given over to you and your service forever. Philip had were locked in an abbey, but the Pope denied the annulment. Philip didn't listen. He took another woman to be his wife, and the conflict continued. 
But back to other matters. And what was most on the Pope's mind right now was the crusade. As we heard about earlier, the Third Crusade ended poorly without ever recapturing Jerusalem due to the infighting of the various kings involved. Richard the Lionheart, though, never lost a battle, but he had to settle with the Muslim commander uh, Saladin because of lack of support and problems back home. And so the Pope wanted to follow up these victories with a real effort at retaking Jerusalem. In 1190 or 1191, he approved the foundation of a Third Crusading Order of Knights, this one called the Teutonic Knights, made up of German soldiers and clergy working to protect Christians and Christian sites in the Holy Land. And he began to try and put pressure on European nobles to go on crusade again, which brings us back to Henry VI. Henry wanted to officially unify his territory in Sicily, which he had through his wife, with that of the Holy Roman Empire. And likewise, he wanted his year-old son, Friedrich, to inherit the title of Holy Roman Emperor, a title which only came through the Pope. Now, on top of that, Henry had ambitions for a much larger emperor, one which embraced the West and the East. So Henry, in order to get on the Pope's good side, in order to further his territorial ambitions, on Good Friday, 1195, took the cross and said he would be going on crusade. Now, how self-serving his motivations were is up for debate, but over the next couple of years, Henry prepared for the crusade and negotiated with the Pope. In 1196, Henry returned to Italy with his infant son to help prepare the crusade and to try and get the Pope to crown his son as his heir. But he didn't get that far. Instead, he had to turn to Sicily, where he had to put down some low-level revolts. But on September 28, 1197, Henry unexpectedly died of fever while in Sicily, still quite a young man. Pope Celestine would not allow him to be buried in consecrated ground until finally the Archbishop of Messina in Sicily helped convince the Pope to do so and allowed Frederick II, Henry's baby son, to be crowned king. Celestine, however, was also close to death, and when he realized that his death was near, he tried to get the cardinals to agree to elect a certain John of St. Paul as his successor, even suggesting that he resign in favor of John if that made it easier. But the cardinals did what most cardinals do when the pope tries to pick a successor. They totally said no, and Celestine died on January 8, 1198, at the age of 92. He was buried in the Lateran Basilica and was succeeded by one of the greatest of the medieval popes, Innocent III, but more on his papacy next week. Thanks for listening to Abemus Papam. You can check out the rest of the Catholic Bites podcast at catholicbitespodcast.com or find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you and God bless you.